Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Asheville Regional Airport. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at prestigesubaru.com. And Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. You'll be at the top of the city as you experience Asheville's history and scenic beauty, historic landmarks, and award-winning rooftop bars. Transportation is provided with tours offered daily, year-round. Find out more at AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. So sit back and be carried away to places from around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. And you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much every podcast platform is now uh, bringing you Speaking of Travel. So be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and sign up for the Travel Club. You can receive the latest in travel news and travel tips and some really great upcoming vacation destinations because, you know, someday we will be out and about traveling again. And That time is going to come sooner than later. We are all keeping our fingers crossed that we're going to be able to get out and about and do the things that we had been doing before all of this started. You know, when we travel again, we have to be thinking of some factors. When is it allowed for your situation? When do you feel the rewards outweigh the risks? And when will the things you want to see and do be available to you? Well, like I said, there is a little glimmer of hope. And here today is Tina Kinsey with the Asheville Regional Airport. Tina is the Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development. She's going to catch us up on what's going on over there at the Asheville Regional Airport. And Tina, it's always a pleasure to have you here on Speaking of Travel. Thanks so much, Marilyn. It's, um, you know, it's fun to get to talk about travel right now in these days that we're experiencing. I agree. And I can tell you that my listeners are talking about traveling again. They are dreaming about traveling again. People have told me they're uh, they're going online and they're really they're looking at destinations that they're putting on their bucket lists and to-do lists and let's talk a little bit about what's happening we've we've been in this now for months and uh, I know there was there was a lot of uh, just things kind of came to a halt but what are you what are they you did. finding now is happening well you know we are 
we are watching, listening, learning. We're seeking um, information from our area's air travelers so we understand what they think and, and kind of where they are in how they feel about getting on an airplane and going somewhere. And so what we're hearing from a lot of our region's air travelers, especially leisure air travelers, is that about 50% of them are already booking trips or likely to book a trip very soon. Um, and we're seeing that in some of the numbers. When we look at people who are boarding airplanes on a daily basis at the airport, um, we're, climb we're seeing those numbers climb back up again, um, certainly nowhere near where they typically are this time of year. But we're, we're um, rather than being down 95%, we're down about 70%. So, you know, we are seeing people start to travel again. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, some of the extraordinary safety measures that the airlines are putting in place on their aircraft. Uh, you know, and the airports are putting safety measures in place in the buildings, in the terminal buildings. Uh, we're all taking this very seriously, um, really trying to provide um, a, an environment where people can travel smart and travel with confidence. We're asking travelers to do their part. Um, you know, so we're ready when they're ready uh, is kind of where we are at this point. Um, and it looks like people are becoming more and more ready to start to go again. Well, it seems like everything is, is slowly but steadily uh, getting into place. I know that in yeah. the past when we've been talking about the steps that you have been taking over there at the Asheville Regional Airport uh, to meet the the needs of the new uh, regulations and being safe and being sanitary. You talk a bit about that just so that we can review what the airport has put into place right there. Sure. So we're doing a lot of things that um, are being implemented, lots of places that you're going. We have social distance markers. We have uh, acrylic shields on the countertops to provide that barrier. Um, we are asking um, everyone who enters the airport, we're requesting that they wear a mask. Our staff is required to wear a mask or face covering when they're in the terminal building in public areas. Uh, but if I could shift for just a minute um, to some of the things that our airline partners are doing that I think need, need to be highlighted. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people don't realize that the air filtration systems on airplanes are extraordinary. Uh, you know, there's a misperception, I think, sometimes that when you are on an airplane, the air is not clean, you know, because there's there are so many people in close quarters. However, the opposite is true. Um, aircraft airplanes have um, very sophisticated filter systems um, that meet hospital standards. And they refresh the air every few minutes. Um, and that is a step that is taken and it's been in place for quite some time, uh, not just because of this pandemic, um, but, you know, that's done to create fresh air and, a, um, you know, a good environment for travelers. And I think it's important to remember that. 
And, you know, the airlines have implemented some sophisticated cleaning procedures, um, you know, of, of course, routine cleaning of high touch surfaces in the airplanes in between flights. But, you know, some some airlines are doing things like um, they're using EPA approved electrostatic spraying um, in the aircraft. They're using hospital grade disinfectants, um, even um treating air, the inside of aircraft with microscopic film protectants um, that create this, this uh, microscopic film on hard surfaces that repel and kill viruses and bacteria um, that come in contact. So some really sophisticated things happening there that I think can give us all um, a sense of confidence. Well, that definitely is a, a misconception, like you said, of thinking that when you're in that closed space that the air is not clean. But in fact, it's completely the opposite. It sounds to me that being at an airport and getting on a plane could be one of the safer places to be. Well, and I encourage people, uh, you know, go to the airline websites. They have very in-depth information about this, you know, so that people can make informed decisions. They can go and learn um, about what's being done. Uh, and I think that that's, that's another way to travel smart. It is absolutely another way to travel smart. And, and I think what has come from all of this, too, is is for us to be able to really look at where those resources are and be able to make these kind of choices because ultimately it will get down to you know where where is your comfort level and what's available and how much do I really want to get get out of town get going someplace right. and tell us and about Maryland mm -hmm. well I was just going to say one thing I also wanted to bring up is that the airlines have implemented some some unusual flexibility. So if you have booked a trip, booked a, a plane ticket, um, most airlines have flexibility now that they didn't normally offer in the past. So for instance, um, you can often change, have a one-time change and pick a different date, pick a different flight for whatever your reason may be. Um, with no change fees, um, you know, things like that. Or you can receive a travel credit for up to a period of time, you know, to use if you need to cancel a trip. There are different policies in place, but definitely flexibility that makes booking plane tickets right now, uh, you know, less, less of a risk if you have concerns. That's really great to hear. And tell us about the, I know before this all started that Allegiant had come in and had opened up some new routes. Are, are those still in place, Tina? Yes, and I think that this speaks very well to um, the recovery um, that, that is coming. Um, Allegiant announced four new routes right before all of this happened. And that was uh, nonstop to Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas, um, Chicago Midway, and Boston. And they do have those flights on the schedule. You can book you can book those nonstop um, flights now. And so, you know, we are pleased that those routes stayed intact here in Asheville. And I don't know about you, Marilyn, but I'm I'm ready to pick one of those and. 
and, uh, you know, visit a new place. Well, uh, just let me know when you're going, Tina. My bag is already packed. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us how we can get more information about the Asheville Regional Airport. Sure. Um, We are at flyavl.com. And I know that that website is a, a... a wealth of information there. It, it can take you to all different places, and and it has all the latest resources and and updated information. So, Tina, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Speaking of travel, and I look forward to talking to you next week and getting an update. Because sooner than later, you and I we're going to be on that flight somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Marilyn. You bet. Coming up next is Katie Moore with Barn Door Cider Works and Dave Bowman from Black Mountain Cider and Mead. Cider is really making a comeback these days. Find out its history and what's happening today. Stay tuned. It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in western North Carolina. Or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Hi, I'm Kay, the founder and owner of Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. You usually hear me talking about our tours from the rooftops in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. Currently, our country and the world are going through an unprecedented time with the COVID-19 pandemic and the fear and economic uncertainty that it is creating in our world. We in Asheville, a city that has been welcoming tourists to the healing properties of our Blue Ridge Mountains since the 1800s, are feeling it as well. Many things have been put on hold, but together we will get through this. Our times to explore the world or even our local hometowns and reconnect with friends and loved ones is in our future. Be strong, stay safe, and when you are in Asheville, look us up. We would love to show you the city from a bird's eye view. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on... Thanks, Tina, for the update from the Asheville Regional Airport. It hopefully won't be long now before we can all take a trip and begin traveling again. But that doesn't mean we have to stop exploring. So how do travel addicts like us, or those who aren't able to travel, keep entertained while staying close to home? Well, how about trying something new that's really something old? Did you know the world of cider is delightfully diverse? So what is cider? You know, that's a question that a lot of people have asked. So my guests today are going to fill us in. Katie Moore is with Barn Door Cider Works, and Dave Bowman is from Black Mountain Cider and Mead. And I am so glad to have you both here today. Katie, we loved having you on the show uh, earlier this year when you were talking about cheese and your Spain tours and it's so great having you back. How have you been doing? Doing well, kind of uh, adjusting daily to our lives under COVID-19, but yeah, doing very well and uh, have lots of projects happening and good things happening and luckily staying healthy and safe. So 
doing well. Well, I am glad to hear that. And Dave, it's really great to have you here from Black Mountain. I, you know, I have never been to Black Mountain Cider and Mead, and you were telling me before that you've been open for quite some time. Give us a little bit of a, a backstory of what's going on over there with you. Uh, well, we opened in August of 2013. Uh, my wife, Jessica, and I had uh, been cider makers for, for a while. We're general Zymer, just hobbyists, where we fermented everything we could. Uh, but when we moved to the mountains for teaching jobs, we found all the apples and focused, uh, became the focus mostly on ciders and then meads a little bit later. We'll talk about meads because that's something too. I, I, I want to talk about cider, but I definitely want to get a little bit into at least having a, a definition of what mead is because it's becoming a definitely more popular, but I'm not sure a lot of people know exactly what it is. Sure. Uh, mead's never really been industrialized the way some other alcohol beverages are, so there's no Anheuser-Busch of mead. It's basically fermented honey. Every alcohol has a sugar base that the yeast can consume and create alcohol. And so for cider, it's apples. For wine, it's grape juice. For beer, it's malted barley. And for mead, it's fermented honey. It's the world's oldest alcoholic beverage. It's also the only alcohol that is not stuck to a location as humans have cultivated bees since time immemorial. Uh, certainly there's Old Testament references to it. And... Uh, Unlike wine, beer, and cider, which are limited to specifically temperate regions that grow those products as a base, there's Asian meads, there's African meads, there's Scandinavian meads, there's Eastern European meads, there's obviously a now American meads as well. And so do you, uh, do you actually make the mead there at your Black Mountain Cider and Mead? Yes, uh, we make all our ciders and meads here off of I-70 in Black Mountain, North Carolina. I'll be darned. So give us an idea. I know, Katie, when we talk to you about cider, uh, your focus is on Spain and, and where ciders came from. And Dave, talk to us a little bit about your inspiration and, and how you became interested in doing uh, making cider and mead. Well, we first had proper cider in the West Country of England in 2008 when Jess and I were visiting the, what's known as the West Country, which is, um, to people who don't know, it's a, a geographical region, although also a cultural region as well, of uh, the southwest of England, from roughly Gloucester in the north down to the English Channel, and from Swindon in the east over to the Bristol Channel. It's a beautiful land of rolling hills. It's been occupied by humans for well over 10,000 years. The Glastonbury Tour is there, as well as Stonehenge and Amesbury. And when Julius Caesar invaded Brittany, uh, Britannia in the uh, basically zero millennium, uh, a little bit later, he found that the, the pits and the celts that were there already were, were drinking a, a drink out of the fermented local apples. Those apples would have been very different than what we recognize as an apple today. It would have been more similar to a, to a cran, uh, crab apple. So that there's a lot of tannin and a bit of bitterness and a certain amount of sugar, but not as the apple you hold in your hand or put in a child's lunch or bake into a pie. They were not really that great for eating, were cultivated basically for tannin and a sugar content and made for drinking. 
in uh, the west country of England. It's a land of these golden rolling hills, beautiful styles and hedgerows. It's also pretty rural and rustic. There's the city of Bristol is the one large city there, but um, the west country is largely encompasses Somerset, Dorset, and Devon, though a few other counties will kind of claim admission into the West Country Club as it is a, um, a region that as much as it is a state of mind as well. Uh, things It's a little slower paced, a little more rustic. It's uh, not particularly uh, a changing area the way, obviously, London is. Um, it's the inspiration for J.R.R. Tolkien's The Shire. So it's a land of cider, apple orchards, small farms, cheddar cheese, sausages. Um, and for us, we were just kind of inspired by that region and the, the terroir of it. Uh, and when I say terroir in this sense, I'm talking not only of the, of the, the soil and the sun, but also the culture, the people there, the music, the food, and the drink, obviously. And it was a, a real magical place for us. Uh, we had some scrumpy, which is what you're going to call the rougher uh, farm product of cider on the Glastonbury tour and looking out the same way young couples in love as we were young back then uh, have done for a very long time. Well, it does sound magical and it just sounds so enchanting. So when you came back, uh, how did you actually uh, percolate this idea to create, to create Black Mountain Cider? Uh, well, not to be glib, but it's this is where the mount the the mountains are where the apples are. We uh, sometimes, as the saying goes, the mountain comes to Muhammad. And uh, we moved here. We were living in a different part of the state, and we moved to the mountains for jobs. And we happened to move in the late summer, uh, right before the apple harvest started up. And we had been hobbyists before. We would come to the mountains in the fall and get some juice and take back and ferment and small home-brewed five, five-gallon buckets. But once we moved here, we ramped it up quite a bit and spent a lot of our time just on the front porch grinding up apples and pressing them in an old uh, basket press, basically, that's not really been changed for 100 years. Wow, that's... And uh, a hobby became sort of a, a passion. Um, as Charles Bukowski says, find what you love and let it destroy you. Right. Well, it is it is a passion. And Katie, for you, it's a passion also. You've been doing uh, cider for quite some time. Is that right? Um, I would say that my partner, Dan, is really the one who is the cider aficionado uh, with Barn Door Cider Works. And he has been making cider since the 80s. And very similar to Dave and uh, Jess's experience of just kind of doing it because of the interest and the intrigue and uh, having a hobby of it. And one of the things that's really important to Barn Door Cider Works and into in Dan's experience with cider is that it's something that's made to be shared with others. It's very communal um, in the making of it as well as the drinking of it and that, that kind of thing. I have been drinking cider <laughs> for a long time, well before it became popular. Um, when I was in Europe years and years ago, kind of uh, as Dave was talking about, he and Jess being young, when I was much younger uh, in Europe, that's what I did as I drank cider when I was there. So I've been drinking it for a long time. And then years ago, when I was deciding to make a life change, 
I was kind of weighing cheese, cider, cheese, cider, and cheese won out. So that's what I ended up. My path took me on a cheese making and then a cheesy lifestyle. Um, but then also now I'm so lucky to have the opportunity to be, you know, opening a business that also involves cider. So that's, that's that kind of history for me and cider. Well, I'll tell you, you both are uh, uh, talking dirty to me right now because there's nothing I love more <laughs> than than the the magic of community and people being together and sharing these, you know, uh, treats from from nature where people are act actually crafting. And when we come back, I want to talk more about that. Before we go to the break, give us uh, your websites so we can get more information. Go ahead, Dave. Sure. Uh, we are uh, blackmountainciderworks.com. We're also Black Mountain Cider and Mead on Facebook, Instagram, all the, all the things. Great. And Katie? Uh, barndoorcw.com. Well, that's easy enough. Well, when we come back, we're going to be, uh, I want to find out more about the history, the uh, the tasting, the process. There's, there's just so much to learn about this. And I can tell you right now, I am, I am jonesing for a cider. So we're also going to talk about how to, how to get up with you guys. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be right back. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog. Rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. At Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, we welcome folks from around the world and locally onto our tours. People love to travel and discover new places and new experiences, and we love being a part of that here in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. Most of us right now are not traveling due to the COVID-19 pandemic sweeping across the globe. While travel and tourism make up the biggest part of our regional economy, providing thousands of jobs, and our community greatly feels that loss in tourism right now, we know that there will be time to travel safely in the near future. We wish everyone good health and safety during this time. Community is what brings us together. We at Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours look forward to welcoming you to our community and showing you the city from a bird's eye view. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, and we're talking cider and mead, and I've got Katie Moore with Barn Door Cider Works, and Dave Bowman from Black Mountain Cider and Mead, and Katie and Dave, you both have... Uh, just a wonderful history of travel. Uh, it sounds like that is travel was something that was really important to both of you, uh, going to England and going to Spain. Dave, tell me a little bit about, uh, just a little about your background. Are you are you uh, a traveling kind of guy? Uh, I certainly like to travel, though uh, I say if you if you really want to travel, don't start a business that uh, requires you to be in one place all the time. 
So I will say we don't get to travel as much as we would like to. Well, lucky for us, we get to travel to Black Mountain and have mountain cider and mead and be able to pretend like we were in England, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place to be. Uh, actually, today the, the climate is very English. A little foggy, a little chilly? A bit foggy, a little drizzly. Drizzly, right. So tell us a little bit about the apples that you use with your cider. Do you have uh, local apples? Do you have heritage apples? How, how do you pick your apples? Well, our, our main philosophy is we'll take it all. Uh, we, we work with three different farms out in Hendersonville, uh, just down the road. And uh, it, a lot of it depends on what had the best year. Uh, last year was a pretty hot and dry uh, summer, and that did really well for stamen wine saps. Uh, that's, that's a really good, good apple to use. Traditional heirloom varietals largely have a bit more balance than some of the newer breeds. But the year before that was a really good year. It was a bit of a damper, cooler summer, and that was uh, more for, say, uh, Arkansas blacks, black twigs, which is a, a really good apple as well. We kind of use almost everything, but there, there are some apples are better for pressing, but a lot of it just depends on how the year was. Uh, not that different than how they do it in Burgundy or Bordeaux. And Katie, what about you? Your barn door cider works, um, uh, is, is your inspiration came from northern Spain cider. So how, do you, how is that going to work when you, uh, when you get, get opened up? The, the inspiration really that the, the northern Spain is is part of it and part of the reason that that's an inspiration is because of such a strong history of cider in northern Spain. Um, Dave mentioned earlier about the types of apples that you know traditionally were used in English cider and, and some still are certainly um, and the same in Spain the apples that are used for cider and were kind of what all that was grown before are, are not third apples. They're not the apples that you use to, to just kind of snack on or make a pie or that kind of thing. And if you think about traditionally for many centuries, we didn't have refrigeration. So a lot of what people were trying to do or think of ways to preserve food so that it would last longer and they could survive through, you know, drier months, wetter months, colder months, hotter months, whatever it may be. So, the uh, I think for the the type of apple that's used traditionally is very different than what we tend to find um, now, especially in the United States. For barn door cider works, what we do is we try hard to use traditional um, or not traditional. Apologies, some heritage apples if we can find them. But as Dave was pointing out, apples that tend to have a little bit more tannin. Um, are a little bit more acidic, um, do have a, you know, nice sugar content because that's what turns, that's what helps it ferment, helps the juice ferment and turn into an alcoholic beverage. Um, and the ciders in Spain, um, what, what those are, for one thing, they're still, meaning they're not carbonated. And there's a whole process for how you drink those ciders. And that's a really fun Again, communal way of being part of um, an experience. And um, you may have seen uh, videos of people standing in front of a huge, huge barrel. And those are big chestnut barrels. 
um, that are as big as a, you know, a room, they're eight feet tall, 10 feet tall, and there's a, you know, a spigot that they, that they turn on and you have a glass that you catch the cider in the glass and that aerates the cider a little bit and you only drink maybe an inch of cider. So each time you're, you're going up to that spigot, you're getting more cider, you're with other people. It's, it's very um, communal. The cider itself tends to be very tart and acidic, um, very dry, sometimes cloudy. It's um, fermented naturally, meaning the yeast from the apples is what makes the, the juice ferment. Um, a wild yeast. And for us at Barndor Cider Works, that's, it's important that we're, we're trying to uphold some traditions of cider making and also cider drinking, that it's, it's a part of a meal. It's part of an experience. So at Barndor Cider Works, we'll have, you know, small, um, small bites to eat and, and meals to, small meals to, to share with, each other and other people. And that's really what our uh, goal is with that business. Um, we hope to open, you know, later this summer, the pandemic is playing a role in that, but we are also still in, in renovation phase, but we'll be keeping people updated on that. But again, for, for us, the, the mission is to uphold some of those traditions with uh, making as well as drinking. <laughs> Well, I love that you both are are carrying out uh, these traditions and bringing them right here into our backyard in Western North Carolina and providing us this opportunity to, um, you know, travel back in time and to be a part of something. But what about today? Let's talk a little bit about modern cider, cider and uh, and what's what's going on with both of you and how you're... Uh, maybe taking those traditions and putting them into a more modern spin. Well, I, I, I think kind of going back to, and, and Dave, jump in at, at any time, of course, um, going back to the idea of the types of apples people are able to, to use to, to make cider. So if you have a dessert apple um, and that's what you're making your cider out of, by the time the sugar has fermented out of that, you're not left with much. Um, you, you, you certainly have a fermented drink, but it's not real complex. Um, and so what happens oftentimes is people add other fruits um, or other fruit juices or um, other ways to kind of give some complexity to that drink. And those are more of what we call our, our modern ciders. They're, they're, it's ways to give, give that drink something, you know, happening in your mouth when you drink it, as opposed to taking a sip, having a slight flavor in there, and then it just disappears. So we have a lot of modern ciders where that's part of what's happening. We also live in the United States where we tend to have sweet palates here, meaning we like stuff that's sweet. So the other thing that we see happening with modern ciders is that, um, juice is being added or sometimes even sugars being added to bring up the sweetness of the juice itself uh, or of the cider itself. Um, and that plays to, you know, our, ours meaning the United States um, palate a lot, a lot more. I think some of the exciting things that Black Mountain uh, Cider and Mead does as well as uh, Barn Door is exactly what you 
Marilyn, is this idea of bringing back some traditions or elevating some traditions so that people get a richer experience with the product that they're having and understand that it comes <laughs> with a history. So I would say that those are part of what makes today's modern cider modern. Dave, anything you think? Well, I, I would say, and Katie and I have talked about this at length, there's a lot of bad cider out there. There's a lot of bad drinks operating under the disingenuous name of cider that aren't 100% juice. The, the law in the United States is it has to be 50%. And while we do I, uh, romanticize Europe a bit, they've got some terrible ciders as well. Uh, if you're finding it on a grocery store shelf, uh, even in England, in a two-liter bottle, there's a good chance it has less than 40% juice there. So uh, largely a drink for teenagers to get drunk on with some apple flavoring added. There's a lot of chemicals and glucose and sucrose and... Um, apple concentrate based. What we're trying to do, and, I, and I, I know a lot of the other cider makers in the general Asheville area do, is just starting the fact that we're using 100% juice. There's no concentrate, no artificial flavors, uh, at least on our end. I can't speak to what everyone else does, but I know this comes up a lot because what you see on your grocery store shelves with the name cider may not be anything like what we're doing. It's more akin to comparing a, a proper red wine to a, a wine cooler or uh, some sort of cheap derivative uh, chemical laden product that's uh, 100% consistent and just full of all sorts of things you shouldn't be enjoying. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to going to both of uh, your places. Uh, Katie, when do you propose Barn Door Cider Works to open? Do you know yet? Do you have a date? Yeah, we're... Um... You know, it was going to be June, then it was going to be July. Um, it's kind of hard to have a, a grand opening yeah. with the pandemic happening. So we're just kind of playing it by ear. I mean, wh what we might end up having to do is open and just do, you know, sure. bottle sales or something like that, as opposed to having it fully open. So we're really hoping that by August, we'll be able to have at least some component of the business open. And the hope is that that it's fully open, but we'll just, we're just kind of playing it by ear, unluckily. That sounds great. Now tell us again, how we can get online and, and check out both your, uh, your places. For Barn Door right now, it's just the website. You know, we, we will have a Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Okay. But the web is barndoorcw.com. Gotcha. And Dave? Uh, it's blackmountainciderworks.com. Also, Black Mountain Cider and Mead on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. And our tasting room's open Wednesday through Sundays. Oh, it's open at Wednesday through Sundays? Yep. Awesome. Well, we definitely want to get out. we're social distancing. Uh, and you could probably find it in a couple of bars and restaurants in the area, though how much of them are open and to what extent, I can't sure. say. But uh, we're open, we're responsibly distancing, and for insiders and meets. Well, we can't wait to get out there. Thank you both, Katie and Dave, for being on the show today. We're really looking forward to getting some cider. So thanks again. Well, coming up next, be our guest on the Gourmet Highway with our host, Doc Lawrence. So where is Doc taking us this week? Stay tuned. This is Katie Moore from Barn Door Cider Works and also from the WNC Cheese Trail. I hope you've been able to get your cheese fixed during the pandemic. 
Our local cheesemakers have been very busy making cheese, figuring out ways to get the product out to customers, and of course, caring for their animals. Reminder, those animals don't care what day of the week it is or if there's a pandemic going on or not, they need to be cared for and they need to be milked. Local restaurants play a large role in the wholesale market for our cheesemakers. So many of the restaurants closed or working in much lower capacity. Our cheesemakers have to be creative with not only how to get their product out there, but what to make. They're aging, having to age it longer or figure out ways to sell it if it's fresh. And luckily, the tailgate markets have been a tremendous help. They provide a weekly venue for our cheesemakers to sell their product. And there are about five markets each week right now. If you're curious about where those are, I encourage you to go onto the Cheese Trail website click the maps tab and scroll down and there's a list with links to all the markets where you can find our cheesemakers. We're also gearing up for some small events. For example, we just held our first online cheese pairing with uh, associate member of Plebe Urban Winery. That was a lot of fun. We'll be doing more of those. To find out about those, you can sign up for the WNC Cheese Trail newsletter and you can do that from the website and you can also stay connected to us through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The website address is www.wnccheesetrail.org. Thanks. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring. It's time to catch up with our host of the Gourmet Highway, Doc Lawrence. He's got a surprise for me, and I am so excited. Knowing Doc, there must be food and cocktails and luscious wine and, of course, yummy dessert. Hey, Doc, I am so glad to hear from you today, and I can't wait to hear what you have going on. Marilyn, every now and then I like to surprise you, and I have a perfect evening planned for us. Please join me in Music City, that's Nashville, of course, for dinner on dock at the Regal Hermitage Hotel. First, Maryland, a little background. This is an American landmark hotel. It's on the National Historic Register, but it's not a museum, hardly. It is the centerpiece of luxury in Nashville. The old guest list is pure Americana. Maryland, Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, Jack Kennedy, movie stars, oh, let's start with Betty Davis, Mae West, Gene Autry, Clark Gable, Brad Pitt, Reese Witherspoon, who's a native of Nashville, singers, wow, Donna Shore, Elvis Presley, Caruso, Pavarotti, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Aretha Franklin, the list goes on and on, but enough of that. Hey, we're stepping out, Marilyn, and we're going to have cocktails and one fine dinner. The Hermitage is home to one of North America's most renowned restaurants, Capitol Grill. Chef Tyler Brown, a friend, has designed a special menu for you and me, and it is going to use local, sustainable Tennessee products. He even has a farm close by, the Double H, four miles away from the hotel, where much of the food that he serves is actually produced. Several years ago, along with my son, Stephen, I visited the farm as a guest of Chef Brown and beheld rows of tomatoes, peas, beans, squash, cucumbers, eggplants, and more seasonal vegetables. They even had their own cattle and lambs there. But Marilyn, listen, before dining, 
let's take time to walk around the block. Near the Hermitage Hotel is the Ryman Auditorium, the mother church of country music. It's also been a stage for the Metropolitan Opera, ballet, concerts, and it's where Garrison Keillor's Prairie Home Companion was born. Then we have time to stop by the Country Music Hall of Fame. This is a museum, but it's very much alive and a gorgeous facility. Where Maryland, before dinner, we have to stop at the Oak Bar, which is in this beautiful hotel. It's near the restaurant's entrance, but it's worth a stop. And you know, it's the perfect place to relax, to kind of mellow ourselves with something cool and delicious. Now, you know that I'm having a Jack Daniels on some ice. Are you in the mood for a Manhattan or a margarita? This is the place to do it, Marilyn. For dinner, I made a few suggestions to Chef Brown, but he planned everything himself, and this is what we're having. We're going to begin with Black Eyed Peas Fritters. You never heard of them before, neither have I, but I bet they're going to be delicious. He's paired this with a sweet onion bisque. And let's have a, a glass or two of Sincere, a wonderful summer wine from the Loire Valley of France. It's crisp, balanced, and you know, it just loves Southern food. The entrees are so special here, but the lamb I've had at the Hermitage, at the Capitol Grill, has to be the best I've ever had in Tennessee or anywhere else. The chef has it prepared. It's going to be pink, just for us, delicious, and don't you think that's wonderful, Marilyn? And what about a bottle of Côte de Rhone with our lamb from the south of France? You know, Marilyn, after this sumptuous, elegant meal, let's save a little room for desserts. A specialty here is the Tennessee Whiskey Bread Pudding, accompanied by chilled Madeira. Now you think about that for a while, and you know you're going to want to come back someday. Well, Marilyn, I'd say this has been a dinner for royalty. Certainly, you fall in that category. Now, before the evening's through, close your eyes and imagine being here in this same hotel around 1955 on a warm evening, having the same kind of dinner in the Capitol Grill, and then going to the ballroom on the main floor and dancing to and enjoying the music of the Hermitage Jazz Orchestra featuring their songstress, Dinah Shore, a Nashville native. Can you think of anything more romantic and more lasting than that to create brand new memories of Nashville? Marilyn, I'm having so much fun. I hate to see this evening close, but we'll have to do this again soon. Maybe Charleston, South Carolina, Savannah, Georgia, or even Washington, D.C., your old stomping grounds. This has been fun, but you know, Marilyn, Doc's got to get some rest and hit the road tomorrow. So, for Marilyn Ball, speaking of travel, this is Doc Lawrence on the Gourmet Highway in Nashville, Tennessee, saying so long, and I hope to see you soon in your hometown.
Doc, you've given us such great new memories of Nashville. It's been so much fun. Let's definitely do this again. Now you stay well and travel safely on the Gourmet Highway. Remember, you can follow Doc's journey on the Gourmet Highway by visiting thegourmethighway.com. My thanks today to Tina Kinsey from the Asheville Regional Airport, Katie Moore from Barn Door Cider Works, and Dave Bowman from Black Mountain Cider and Mead, and our very thoughtful and sweet host of the Gourmet Highway, Doc Lawrence. Oh, and blessed are the cheese makers. So, in these unprecedented times, we can all benefit from a little staycation now and then to take the edge off. So maybe it's not a staycation at a local hotel in your town. Maybe it's a vacation in your house. How about taking a walk around and check out the layout? What's in there? Have you purged yet? Sure, maybe it seems like work, but once you've maintained that level of cleanliness and uncluttered,ness you might just feel like you're at a really swanky hotel. And while you're at it, How about some new smells? I always like to keep fresh flowers in my house, but why not order some essential oils online and have them delivered? Or how about some rosemary from the garden? You know, you can just put some in a cup and it'll totally change the room. Working from home? How about some lavender or chamomile? Mmm, so soothing. Sometimes it's good just to change up your playlist and why not put on some Hawaiian music? Uh... Make a pina colada and listen to some marache music. Then you can put a back screen on your computer with the beach. You know, overall, just do the things you love to do when you're on vacation. Take a virtual tour of the world's most famous tourist attractions. There are so many online now. Bottom line, really focus on gratitude. You know, we will travel again. And when we do, we'll be ready to go. Stay safe and well, and remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. Oh,